We want to start this episode by acknowledging the Gadigal and the Wongal people of the Eora Nation, the traditional custodians of the land on which we record this very podcast. We also pay our deep respect to Elders past, present and future. Always was, always will be. This podcast may contain discussions about violence, drug use, and it's most definitely going to contain a lot of foul language. Hello, friends. Hi, everybody. How the fuck are you? Are you talking to me? Everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I am fine. I'm very tired, but I'm fine. I'm feeling pretty good because earlier this evening, I just wandered downstairs to put my recycling out before Amber came. I like to keep things spick and span (laughs) when she comes over to record. And so I went downstairs to put my recycling out. And then there was this car pulled up and two people were just like giving me the finger from the car and I was like, hmm, all right. And then I realised they were our beautiful friends, Dan and Soph, and Soph was delivering a gift. So sweet. So bloody great. And what are these gifts? Well, the two incredibly cute pins, one is pink and one is red. And one says, sorry... And the other one says he sucks. And they're the best. They're so good. I'm just going to wear them where my nipples are every day on every outfit. Yeah. And only we have them, so. Tough break. Yeah. But maybe you guys want them. Hmm. Yeah, maybe (laughs) you do. And maybe she'll make them. Maybe that's a merch collab waiting to happen. Maybe. Who knows? Only time will tell. It's true. We didn't ask, which is rude. Yeah. We should have asked. Anyway, she's the fucking best. <laughs> um, tonight we are going to break some hearts. Yeah. Um, real big time. Big time and, and of our generation, if you are of our generation. Um, this first one that Kara's doing goes out to my friend Kate Cook. Uh, you're going to be really upset. Yeah. Oh, God. Shall I kick it off? Yeah, kick it off, Cara. Okay. So I'm doing James Edward Franco. Oof. And little baby James was born on April 19th, 1978 in Palo Alto, California. And it's a pretty Spenno area. It's in the top five most Spenno areas, actually. Um, And it's also home to a place called Knob Hill, which was named after Franco himself. (laughs) (laughs) Just, I'm kidding. Uh, Anyway, in the San Francisco Bay Area, uh, his mother wrote children's books. And depending on who you ask, his father was either an editor or more vaguely ran a business in Silicon Valley. Okay. Um, Maybe he did both. Could have. Uh, James is the eldest of... Three boys and they're all actors. I know. What a dramatic household. (laughs) So annoying. Um, (laughs) James is is very intelligent. He did well at school, but he did have a rather rebellious phase. Um, 
He was arrested a few times for like some minor things like doing sick graffiti and drinking (laughs) underage and apparently he had some kind of like racket stealing fancy fragrances and selling them to his classmates. Um, that rules. Yeah, my sister actually, (laughs) she used to do something similar but with cigarettes. What an industrious little bitch. I like it. Love your shell bell. Um... (laughs) At one point, uh, he became a ward of the state mm. uh, and was headed to juvie, but he was given a second chance. I know. Bless the justice, justice system and all its bias fucking glory. <laughs> yeah, he's cute. And uh, he white. Is. He's very white and cute. <laughs> we wouldn't want to ruin his future. No, he's got eyebrows <laughs> and they need to be seen. They do. Um, so after he graduated, he completed summer school studying at the theatre. Okay. Uh, James was keen on the idea of becoming a marine biologist, but um, he eventually enrolled at UCLA majoring in English, although he uh, he dropped out and he went to acting classes at the Playhouse West, mm-hmm. which um, to the dis- – I mean, his parents were really disappointed basically. Fair enough. Uh, he worked nights at McDonald's to support himself and he speaks very highly of the experience. Um, in fact, he wrote like an entire article in 2015 for the Washington Post about um, the experience stating, all I know is that when I needed McDonald's, McDonald's was there for me when no one else was. Wow, I feel the same. <laughs> Every <laughs> Sunday morning. No. <laughs> no, we've really cut back. Okay. So then in 1999, he starred in one of our faves, the television show Freaks and Geeks. Oh, God, I love that show. God so rest its soul. Much. I know, it's brilliante. How did, how on earth did it get cancelled? I know. I don't get it. Me neither. But apparently, um, well, I'm going to talk about this later, but I read Busy Phillips' book for this and um, mm. she does say if the amount of people who actually said it, that they loved it so much were watching it, it wouldn't have got cancelled. So I don't know, maybe their viewership was True. just not, didn't translate and it was more of like a a late, late kind of a bloomer in the way that, yeah, yeah, people look back. But I certainly didn't watch it at the time it came out. I don't think it was in Australia though. No, no, no. I, I watched it like, you know, probably like, at least probably almost a decade after. Yeah. So, but, but he's so cured in it. Uh, <laughs> uh, he then had his big bad silver screen debut in Never Been Kissed with Drew Barrymore. And now oh. I have watched this movie so many times and I honestly can't really remember him. No, I have no recollection of him being in that movie. No, and he, after that he played a Are you sh- sure? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think so. I am wowed. Yeah. Um, maybe we should watch that. I love that movie. I have not really seen it. It's just too silly. It is silly. She just, she can do better. I went as, you know how they go, someone, I think they all go as Barbies to prom, mm. like Malibu Barbie and like <laughs> swimsuit Barbie or whatever. <laughs> and I went as um, Mermaid Barbie to Rihanna's like probably 11th birthday, everyone had a disco party and I made my costume. It was stunning. Yeah, yeah, so his next movie um, was Whatever It Takes and he plays like a shithead jock. It's a gross film. Um, Anyway, but <laughs> uh, 
Uh, I, I watched that this week, but um, next was his kind of like breakout role. He played James Dean in a TV movie, which is great casting, I think. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and he re- he really committed to the role. He lived and breathed James Dean and he even started up a two-pack-a-day smoking habit. Good on him. I mean, like, you'd be broke after a week with the taxes they charge in this country. Yeah. For sure. But also, it's just not cool. Why? I mean, that's too much. Don't take... <laughs> yeah, you don't need to smoke that silly. Just have a couple just of things. Just fucking relax, bro. It's <laughs> not cool. Don't start smoking. Mm, next, he starred in the Spider-Man franchise. He played Harry Osborn's son. No, he played Harry Osborn, who's the son of the Green Goblin. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and I just want to stop for a moment and consider that the three films in that franchise grossed... $2,496,000,000. Holy duels. I can't even. No, that's not even. right. Whew. Yeah. I realised while reading about young James, I, I really didn't know so many of the films he was in. Like in 2002, he was in the Nicolas Cage-directed film Sunny, then City by the Sea with Robert De Niro, I've never heard of either of those. I mean, but he's a big shot. You talking to me? <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, like, early career, that's I, it's pretty good. Yeah. I feel like I do know City by the Sea. Oh, I don't know how to say this. He was in a period drama called Tristan and Izzard, Izzold? Is it Isadale? I can't. Never heard of it. I can't say it. But I couldn't bring myself to watch it. It looks terrible. But who knows? Maybe it's fantastic. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I just couldn't. Um, he got his pilot license to oh. play the main character in a World War One film called Flyboys, which I think I've seen. But, also never heard of it. Um, I think that would be cool. Like actually recently I saw that um, I think I must have been drinking. I mean that's pro- I, I, I could say for sure I was. I'd say you were. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I saw you could do like a half-day flying course and I was like I am going to buy myself that for Christmas. And then I woke up the next day and I thought who the fuck do you think you are? <laughs> like pay your gas bill. Like what? to what end? You can't bec- – what are you doing? You don't even have 20-20 vision. It's like – this is a thankless voice. Do you have to? Yeah, my dad really wanted to be a pilot, but can you get glasses? No, you have to have 2020 that vision. That is fucked. Maybe it's I mean like the, that's my I could be wrong to As be fair. A glasses wearer. Mm. That is I'm offended. But I couldn't be a flight attendant, I'm too short. What? Yeah, you have there's a height requirement because because you need to put the bags in the overhead lockers. Oh, of course. I just climb on the seat. It's a little unprofesh, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, sir, I've got it. I'll help you. He was in Knocked Up with all these old pals from Freaks and Geeks, which is cute. I actually love that movie. Yeah, this like I'm sorry, I know. but I love it. Yeah, I enjoy it too. Um, in 2007, James wrote, starred and directed, which is fucking intense, um, a film called Good Time Max. Never heard of it. Essentially, it's, a, it's about two brothers who take different parts in life. It's like every <laughs> wow. sibling's ever. Um, next <laughs> is a, a Sterner classic, Pineapple Express. Yeah. I love the song Electric Avenue, which is the title sequence. That's an actual classic. I just love anything with Seth Rogen and I don't know. I just am in love with him. I have a little bit to say later about him, but in a good in a good way. But I, just, I too God. love him. 
Uh, he was nominated for his second Golden Globe for Pineapple Express. I guess what in a comedy <laughs> category, maybe. Um, what? Uh, so dumb. I know. And now we get into a more serious role. He played politician Harvey Milk's partner in the film Milk. Oh yeah, he's great in that. He is great. But I want to know: Are there any actors in that film who are actually gay? Probably <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Just saying. Um, Hmm. Then very bizarrely, he went from a film nominated for eight Oscars, two of which it won, to the daytime soap opera General Hospital. Really? Yes. He's he's like... That is um, so bizarre. He is a bizarre person, honestly. It's very odd. But he played a reoccurring character named Franco. <laughs> <laughs> and he also had like an exhibition at the Museum of Contemporary Art in L.A., um, which was by the character he played in General Hospital. Like, what? that was the artist. It's all very Shia LaBeoufy. I know. <laughs> I know. Um, but what did he do, paint? Uh, I don't actually know. I didn't look enough into it. I didn't care. <laughs> I was like, whoa. Sorry, I should have. He's, he's, done, he's done everything. But, like, um, he's he's had other exhibitions here and there. Um, uh, but then... When you think he's going to zig, he's axe. Oh. He plays Aaron Ralston in 2010, who is a real-life adventure man. Mm. Uh, he goes and rock climbs in wild places, but he had a bad time and he got his bloody arm caught under a fucking giant rock. And big spoilers here, guys. <laughs> he had to cut off his own arm. Yeah, I, I have thought about watching that movie. 127 hours or oh, days. But I honestly hours? can't think of anything worse. Oh, my God. Yeah, because he actually had to break his fucking forearm. He had to break it first. Fuck off. Yeah, and can you imagine breaking your no. forearm? Oh, I feel sick. Okay. I mean, yeah. And then he, the knife was blunt that he had to use. And not only that, like, he had to finish the job there and then he needed to walk for fucking ages to get to safety. stop it. Sorry. I can't. And he was there for five days. Have you seen it? No. I will never. I couldn't watch it. It sounds like hell. Also, I mean, like. And it's just him. I I know. (laughs) This is exactly what I was going to say. It's a whole movie of him, like, in a ravine. How long is it, I wonder? Is it just, like. An hour and a half, or is it two hour? Just him sitting there, going, "What should I do?" It's an hour and thirty-five minutes. Okay, well that's better. Manageable. Than- yeah, but so everyone loved Jimmy in this role, and as is his way throughout filming, he like barely left the ravine, and he got an Oscar nomination for this. Okay. But he only left to like do a poo. <laughs> <laughs> He just stayed there the rest of the time reading books. No. Um, he was voted the sexiest man alive in 2009. He's really good looking. And that's what you're here for, right? Actually, you know what? I don't know how tall he is. Can you find out how tall he is, please? Yeah, I'll Google it. Um, I just, just uh, interrupting because while I was listening, I was also Googling his art. He's like a multimedia artist. I should have said that because I reckon I could have just taken a stab at that. Some of them are painting. Some of them are like kind of collage-y. I forgot he was in 30 Rock as well. 
Who is he? He's like Jenna's love interest for a bit. Oh, I don't remember that at all. Yeah. He played Allen Ginsberg in Howl. And if you like The Beat, The Beat Generation, well, you might just enjoy a little thing I like to call Season 3, Episode 6. <laughs> it's a great episode. It is a good episode. Um, he was in the Planet of the Apes reboot and he was in The Letter with beloved klepto Winona. Love you, Wino. Yeah. Do you know how tall he is? He's 1.8 metres tall. What's that? Can you find... What the fuck is that in feet? <laughs> I need the feet. <laughs> I think it's trying to be like... Google's trying to be like, you're in Australia, you must want... No. Um, There's weird things like that. <laughs> <laughs> in um, 2010, he hosted the Academy Awards with... Anne Hathaway, I know it's your favourite event of the season, <laughs> means a lot to you. Do you remember this? Do you remember him hosting the Oscars? Uh, vaguely. It was bad. <gasps> it was really bad. Like, it was like he was on Valium. Oh, God. People thought he was high. Like, he was just energyless. Oh, dear. But he just a bit stoned or something. He said he wasn't, but he also said, like, anyone would look stoned next to Anne Hathaway, like, because she's <laughs> so energetic, which I guess, yeah. But, um... Oh, wait, I have a, a, a height in oh, yeah. for you. Oh, yeah, go on. five foot nine. That's not very tall. But that's fairly regular. Yeah, it's average. Yeah. Seth Rogen is exactly the same height. Mm. Really? I would have thought he'd be quite tall. Me too. I mean, not that that's not tall. It doesn't matter. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm really short, okay? So I don't even know what it – I don't know. Mm. Once I I didn't date him, I briefly, like, saw a guy who was more than seven foot tall because I just thought it was funny. Seven feet tall? Yeah, he was huge. He was a goddamn monster. And I'm, a, like, 5'2". Oh, I knew a guy who was <laughs> probably about that and he was hilarious. And I was in love with him just because he was so tall. Yeah, I just thought it looked so fucking hilarious oh, when we stood brilliant. next to each other. Yeah. Did you come up to like his dick? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Standing head they called me. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, um, <laughs> James has done a lot of like writing, short stories, articles, blah, blah, blah. He rejected, he, he directed uh, two of R.E.M.'s music videos. Oh. He was also a lecturer at NYU, UCLA what? and USC. <laughs> that is wild. Like imagine if James fucking Franco <laughs> was your lecturer. What was he teaching? I think writing, like, acting, something and yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's dabbled in painting. Look, I've got that here um, as well. Uh, he, he just has these filthy little fingers in a buttload of pies basically. I kind of think that's weird but really good. Mm, I think it's interesting. He must be busy. Very. But also it makes me think that he's very like. Fair weather. Yeah, like, um, no, nah, I don't want to do that anymore. Now I want to do this. Yeah. Now I'm a painter. Oh, actually, now I'm, guys, I'm not going to paint anymore. I'm going to write a novel. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Wait, guys. Flip it. I just got this great gig teaching. At UCLA. Wait, exactly. guys. <laughs> I'm a train enthusiast. <laughs> guys, I'm opening a bakery. <laughs> and get this, we only sell bread. <laughs> oh, God. Um, no cakes. 
Pie pies. <laughs> no sausage rolls. <laughs> Saucy rolls. <laughs> no sausage rolls. <laughs> what do they sell at bakeries in other countries? Because other countries don't have pies and sausage rolls like Australia. Well, if you go to Greg's in the UK, they've got they've got them. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Mm. Uh, what is it like? Please let me know. We want to hear about your bakeries. I want to hear about bakeries <laughs> in other countries. Mm. I do. I'm interested. Um, oh, he has a band. I don't actually know if the band's still in, in existence. Wait, guys. <laughs> I'm not being a university lecturer anymore. I've started a band. I'm a musician. <laughs> mm. Do you want to know what, what the band is called? Please. It's called Daddy. Oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> I know. They're inspired by the Smiths. I actually love that name. Really? Yeah. Well, um, also, if you don't like that band called Daddy, you could fall in love with Daddy that are also one of Sri Lanka's most beloved bands. Oh. <laughs> There's another one. Two daddies. Oh, two daddies. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, James is Jewish, but he did say, he was quoted saying um, that he missed out on the Jewish experience, which I'm not quite sure what that means. I mean, maybe his parents weren't, like, practising. Yeah, maybe. Maybe they had a Christmas tree too as well as, like, um, yeah, menorah. <laughs> um, but he did... Eventually get one part of the experience because when he was 37 years old, he had a bar mitzvah. Aww, and he had cute. it at the Hollywood Palladium. Miley Cyrus performed. <laughs> That's so weird. Haim also performed. Is that how you say it? Yeah, yeah. I think so. I think I've only read it. Um, Seth Rogen did, um, did a song from fucking Fiddler on the Goddamn Roof. <laughs> the Papa, the Papa. I want to go. Tradition. I wish I was <laughs> he there. He did that song. But. That's so brilliant. Uh, Jeff Coochie Tingle Goldblum yesterday, today and tomorrow <laughs> did a little something as well. It was just like a star-studded affair. This sounds amazing. I know, but it was also for charity. Oh, God. Seth Rogen and Laura Miller-Rogan's charity, no less, and they raised more than two and a half million dollar-y-dos for Alzheimer's care Support and prevention. That's great. That's beautiful. Lovely. Yeah, Seth, is it Seth Rogen's wife, Laura Miller, Mm. is um, an amazing advocate and raises heaps of money for Alzheimer's. She's fucking rad. I didn't look into it. I mean, I imagine there's some kind of very strong connection to it. I just happen to know because I follow her on Instagram. And she's she's amazing and she's beautiful and so smart and I love her. She sounds really great. So I'm not even mad that my boyfriend is married to her. Fair enough. (laughs) Sharing is caring. Yeah. Um, But I was was actually going to say that the person who I find there's like all these creative co- crossovers with Jimmy is none other than season two, episodes two, Shia LaBeouf. Like yeah. I was just. They feel the same. Yeah. And because I think originally we were going to do James with Shia. Yeah, we yeah. were. Um, yeah, we were. <laughs> that's why I half wrote this already because yeah. I'm a ding dong. Um, but I found like all these parallels with their kind of work and also in 2014 James wrote an article in the New York Times supporting Shire's move 
intellect performance art with his artist trio Le Buffron Co and Turner and their oh, projects. Yeah, I wrote a whole article about the thumbs up for that. <laughs> um, and he wrote about how Shia stole from dear Daniel Klaus. Oh, uh, yeah. Is that what you say? Yeah, I think so. Uh, and he said, though the wisdom of some of his actions may seem questionable, as an actor and artist, I'm inclined to take an empathetic view of his conduct. Oh, and also, obviously. No one really gives a shit. Fuck you, Shia. <laughs> it's plagiarism and it's very strange plagiarism. <laughs> I know. You'll uh, have to listen to the episode to find out. He also starred in one of 30 Seconds to Mars music videos in 2013. <gasps> And it was directed by Jared Leto and received lots of, you know, nice things like praise and awards and shit like that. <laughs> and it has loads of people in it like Juliet Lewis, oh, Alan her. Cumming. Oh, my goodness. I love that episode of Broad City when they follow him. Yeah. Um, Lindsay Lohan, Ashley Olsen, Kanye West. There's a bunch of them. And Jared and his cult is also in the Shire episode. So if you're interested, you yeah, know where to go. You want to know It's more. a goodie. But... Um, James, much like Jared, also loves himself a bit of Gucci. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he promoted some of their eyewear. Mm. And uh, I would be remiss not to mention that he was the face of Gucci by Gucci. Oh, <laughs> yeah, fine. Um, he's got a good face. He's got a great face. But look, James made other films we don't have all day. Amber, light at the end of what seems to be a really fucking long tunnel, the maraschino cherry to my amaretto sour. Oh. <laughs> Why do you love Franco Wanko? Look, it's all about the face. Yeah, The great. face, that face. Mm. His smile is ridiculous. I love his eyebrows. Mm. I love his sexy face. Uh, I love his just straight face. I love everything his face does. Did you fall in love with him in Freaks and Geeks? Is that like your first foray with Frank? No, I'm pretty sure my first was like Pineapple Express or something. Oh. And then... um, just all the movies that he's in with Seth Rogen and crew led me to Freaks and Geeks. Yeah. But he is just insanely good looking. Yeah. What do you think about, um, I don't know about the other brother, but the other, the one who's with Alison Brie. Yeah, he's not that handsome. No. It's a, it's like a weird version. I guess we're all so used he's to like James. A short. <laughs> Yeah, he's like... It's same with uh, Brad Pitt's brothers. You're like, you'll like him, but you're just an odd version. It's not right. (laughs) Something went wrong in the mixing. He's also a lot shorter, the brother, like really short. Oh. Yeah, like comes up to his like shoulder. Whoa, little baby Franco. Yeah, but I, uh, yeah, he just seems like an evil version. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you think... The younger one looks like an evil version. Yeah, he does. He doesn't have the same, like, his eyebrows are about four times the size. Mm. and Yeah, they're, they're big boys. They go, like, all the way down to his eyelid. <laughs> Can you, oh, my God. It's like those, those <laughs> twins in the Guinness Book of World, world Records. <laughs> I always think of those. They're always in my thought, those twins. He's also got, like, a, a widow's peak and Franco doesn't really. 
and it makes him look evil. So that's why yeah. he's evil, okay? My sister has a way to speak and she is actually evil, so <laughs> yeah, the proof is. is in the pudding. Okay. Shall we get to the bad stuff? Or did you want to talk about anything else that you loved about no, him? No, I just think he's really hot. hot. That's yeah. it. Okay. I'm worried about this. I actually truly am because I really, really think he's really handsome. I don't think you're going to. I mean, like, I don't know. Maybe you will. Um, Whatever. We'll see at the end. Okay. I know you like your poetry. <laughs> well, we have a poet on our hands here. Oh, dear. James wrote a beautiful poem about douche canoe Sean Penn. Whoa. Weird. It was, well, there, I guess it was, um, actually, it was in his book, which came out in 2015, called Hollywood Dreaming <laughs> Stories, Pictures, and Poems. <laughs> he should um, join forces with Lana Del Rey. I know. <laughs> he should. Um, yeah, like, so I guess, like, they, they'd already done, I think Milk came out. Uh, 2008, I think. So, you know, I don't know, somewhere between that he wrote this gorgeous poem. I'm going to read it to you. Okay, thanks. Um, It's titled Sean 2. Don't know why. Okay. They called you Sean De Niro because of your dedication, an actor as engrossed in his role as De Niro as La Mota. You were Spicoli, stoner, prophet, entertainer, politico. Smart enough to know not to give too much, that ordering pizza in class was the move that would last. What? (laughs) Everyone loves a loser if he smiles. Everyone wants to relax. Boring, 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 blah, blah, blah. Um, Whoa, it goes on, doesn't it? Yeah, but I'm going to read you just the last bit. And when he introduced you for your nomination, sorry, that's talking about De Niro, For Milk, De Niro, now your friend, said he couldn't believe you had been cast in all those straight roles because in Milk you were such a fine homo. And when you and I kissed on Castro Street, it was for a full minute. Your beard was like my father's. Uh, (laughs) You're just going to leave that there. I like it. (laughs) Your beard was like my father's? Okay. Oh, I didn't mention Spring Breakers, actually, in oh, the bio. Oh, God, I hate that movie. Well, like... He's great in it. It was in 2012, and do, do you remember the grill? Mm-hmm. He, he, yeah, he wears a grill and, and those cornrows. Yep. Don't do that. No, but he's taking off. I know. I should also probably give my sister another shout out there for the cornrows. Oh, <laughs> um, anyway, it was it was actually really interesting revisiting this film because um, I read a lot of articles about it as well. There was a really interesting article in Slate by Aisha Harris and it was discussing the depiction of race in the film and how it perpetuates that white people's lives matter more than black people. And basically, like, these, you know, young white girls are like, oh, there's such an anomaly because they're going into crime. And, like, James Franco is different than the black gangsters in the movie. It's like, it was just kind of interesting to me, you know, obviously as a fucking, like, white person um, who tries not to be ignorant but sometimes is. Um, Wasn't he styled on some real guy? Yes. Who was, like, when I was Katy Perry or something? I saw that. I I saw what his name was and I saw and read about him, but I've never heard of him before. But, yes, the similarities were very 
stalking. <laughs> it's very <laughs> obvious. Um, it definitely reinforces like a ra- like rape culture in that oh, movie, yeah. like especially among like young people, which I find really fucking dark. And I don't know if I really clocked that initially. Oh no, I that movie is dark as fuck. I definitely thought and it was not just dark, because there's just, murder and stuff. No, I found the other stuff way more. Just like the girls always wearing bikinis mm-hmm. at parties, getting drunk, and these guys fucking yeah. telling them like take it off. It's like. Girls Gone Wild culture. It absolutely from like is. Paris Hilton. That what's that guy Joe Francis is all fucking answer for? Gross. Mm. Female chauvinist pigs. Blah, yeah, blah, blah, yeah, yeah. Um, like I said, I read Busy Busy Phillips book, um, and it's called This Will Only Hurt a Bit. It was really honest, which I appreciated, and I haven't finished it yet because I got to this bit and I was like, oh, I need to take a break. That's a bit much. She met the Pope. Um, (laughs) But she did not speak highly of our friend Franco at all. She said he was a fucking bully and a fucking prick, no less. Whoa. Um, It is interesting because she's talking about famous people in this book and she's speaking really honestly. Um, I like it. So Busy said, people love the contentious nature of Kim and Daniel's relationship from the show, but it was coming from a very real place. Uh, in one <laughs> but of, she's so scary. Yeah, in the show. Yeah. For sure. She said she based that character off, uh, like, she had a boyfriend and his girlfriend before her, he, she thought yeah, that okay. she was going to beat the shit out of her <laughs> for then, you know what I mean? That's yeah. not very clear. But anyway, um, she is scary in that show. I knew girls like that at high school, just like that. That was really? scary as shit. Yeah. Never happened at but they weren't school. Cool. <laughs> they weren't like in the same gang. Mm. Well, there's one episode where Busy and James characters are like they they have a fight, um, and James insisted that she hit him like properly hard, kind of thing, and so she did, um, and it made her feel really uncomfortable. Like she she didn't. It was too much. Yeah, because she was like slapping him, and you do multiple takes, obviously. Um, she said uh, that he kept, tr- uh, sorry, that he treated her as inconsequential. He, there was one time when he just kept stealing her line, like when, when they were shooting the scene, he just like kept on jumping in and saying mm-hmm. her line. Um, he just sounds like a c- total tool from her, from this perspective. They were very young. Yeah, they were. And so anyway, Busy <laughs> called him out about the line thieving um, and then they move on to the next scene where Busy, Seth and James get, like, water bombs thrown at them mm-hmm. from a car um, and the director told Busy to hit James in the chest when she said her line, which was like, it was like, damn it, Daniel, do something. I think mm-hmm. that was the line. And she's meant to, like, give him a hit kind of thing, just be a push. Um, and then so she did. And J- James was there when the director instructed her to do this. Um, so fair enough. Um, but then he grabbed both of her arms, he screamed in her face and he said, don't ever touch me again. And then he pushed her to the ground uh, and stormed off like a miserable, violent baby man. What? <laughs> yeah, like pushed her like outside on concrete kind of thing. Okay, that's very bad. And everyone around, like the set came over to help. And I mean the fucking gall of him to do that with like a full set of people. Like, that's full on. Like, the amount of people that are working on a film set is yeah. a big number. Like, um, 
And the director told Judd Apatow and the other kind of like higher ups, and they they watched the scene because it was obviously filmed. Like they watched mm. the incident, um, and they saw what he did, and they made him apologize. Okay. Like, okay. Uh, yeah, not great, no, but uh... he, yeah. So in, ooh, okay, this is, yeah. So in <laughs> 2014, yeah. James opened an acting school called Studio Four. Uh, it was short-lived. It closed in 2017. Um, it closed because it was, I read in different places, eight or five women came forward with allegations of James exploiting them sexually and being really fucking inappropriate. Oh, God. So what they said was that he basically manipulated young women into performing sex scenes and just, like, taking off their tops with the promise of future roles in his films. Oh, gross. Power play, baby. What a dickhead. Um, The class action lawsuit was filed and it was settled this year. June 30th, 2021. That's for anyone who, like me, can't remember what year it is. (laughs) And the settlement, it was 2,235,000. To each person? Uh, I think total. It's not, I mean. Yeah, but I mean, like, that's. that's It's not nothing. Exactly. I actually. um, (laughs) Hang on, when did it first happen? When did it happen? Uh, the school was open between uh, 2014 and 2017. Okay. But it would have been, I guess it would have been a long litigation process as yeah. well. Like class action lawsuits go for years. Yeah, yeah. There was a, a good variety article by Alex Stedman. I got a fair infom- a bit of information from, from there. Um, it details some of the incidents, like how in an unreleased film called The Long Home there was like an orgy scene where James gave head to like multiple women. But the fucked up part that happened is that in the scene the the women were wearing what they call like a vaginal guard. Okay. It's what they wear in those kind of scenes. Um, and, but James um, allegedly removed the guards. <gasps> That is fucking bad. Yeah, it's fucked, it's foul, fuck off, fuck right off. What, Mary? It's not, it was never released. It's called The Long Home. Oh, fucking hell. I know. Um, That is really bad. Yeah. That is yucky and fucked up. Mm. And more than one woman said that happened. Uh, before he started Studio 4, he was teaching at a place called Playhouse West, which I mentioned earlier because he also studied there. Yeah. And two women, Hilary Dussom and Natalie Schmiel, uh, sorry, uh, recounted how he had asked the actors to take off their tops and none of them complied and they said that he became, like, visibly angry and hostile and stormed off. Uh, Calm the fuck down, you predatorial twat burger. Fuck you. I know. Um, Violet Paley also came forward to say that once she was in James's car and he pressured her to give him head. Um, that's what she alleged. And in the Variety article she said, I was talking to him, all of a sudden his penis was out. I got really nervous and I said, can we do this later? And he was kind of nudging my head down. No. And I just didn't want him to hate me, so I did it. Oh, that is fucking horrible. 
And I know she uses the word nudging, but it's just like I find it so fucking enraging when a oh. male pushes your head down. Yeah, it it's is, so fucked. It's it's the most fucked thing. Uh, not a way to get what you want. Also, God. Just and, and j- the fact that like she was like just so I did it. I mean, how many times we've spoken about it? How many times have you been in that fucking position? Um, after these allegations, James uh, did some late night television interviews. He was on Stephen Colbert, um, and he was asked about this. Like Colbert asked him, and he said, "In my life, I pride myself on taking responsibility for things that I've done. I have to do that." to maintain my well-being. I do it whenever I know that there's something wrong that needs to be changed. I make it a point to do it. Okay. The things that I heard that were on Twitter are not accurate, uh, but I completely support people coming out and being able to have a voice because they didn't have a voice for so long. What? I know. It's tricky. I mean, like, I don't know. What was it? Two million two hundred thirty-five thousand doesn't sound like nothing. Do you know what I mean? No. Um, his lawyer also denied the claims. Uh, James was on the Seth Meyers show as well, and it was interesting to watch. He starts the interview asking him basically to address the allegations, and he doesn't like pussyfoot around it at all. He's just like, "Let's hear it," kind of thing, mm-hmm. and. You know, I'm not defending James in any way, but, I mean, can you imagine, like, being on, like, live national television, like, or international television, really? It would be hectic. Um, He does, like, he handles himself. But he's pretty straight with him. Um, And James says the claims were not accurate, but he says uh, that this is a conversation that needs to be had and women haven't been part of this conversation and no, still it, not because two men talking about it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, and that he was, oh, yeah, because he wore a Time's Up pin. So um, uh, he was wearing that at the Golden Globes because he believes women need to be a part of the conversation. And he says that he was shocked <laughs> by the allegations and that he was just going to let it be, basically. And he pretty much says he has his own side to the story but he will hold back because he believes in the he believes in the movement, um, and that he's he's kind of like happy to take a knock instead of actively refuting things. Okay, so he's basically saying it was a bit of a Aziz Ansari situation. Maybe doesn't really sound like it though. It sounds a lot worse than Aziz. <laughs> it does. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, like I said, he did wear a Time's Up pin when he won a Golden Globe for The Disaster Artist mm-hmm. uh, and he, he wore that on the red carpet in solidarity with women um, and that's when a lot of shit started to come out. That was like the catalyst because people were like, fuck you, bro. Like, Especially if, yeah, if they have been assaulted by him. Yeah. So people Seeing that, mad. they'd be like, you prick. I feel like. I feel like that happened with Aziz as well, actually. Didn't she come out after he wore? I don't know. <sighs> can't remember. No. God, that Can was someone a... listen to that episode? I and can't let us listen know? to it again. <laughs> I get so emotional. Um, uh, also, on the night of the Golden Globes, Ali Sheedy, The Basket Case, Our Love, season two, episode seven, uh, tweeted, James Franco just won. 
please never ask me why I left the film TV business. Oh. And then, okay, wait, bye, Christian Slater and James Franco at a table on at the Golden Globes, hashtag me too. <gasps> and after that, why is a man hosting? Why is James Franco allowed in? Said too much, night, love ya. Golden Globes. Oh, shit. And I couldn't find much more about this. He um, and, and the tweets were deleted. And if I remember correctly, like on that Seth Meyers interview, um, he asked James if he had reached out to Ali even out of like curiosity and he said no. Um, and they had worked together on an off-Broadway show called The Long Shift in 2014. Okay. Mystery. Um, so in 2014, a teenager, Lucy Claude, was on holiday with her mum in New York and they went and saw a Broadway show, <laughs> as you do, uh, and the show was Of Mice and Men, which James was starring in. Afterwards, Lucy and James took a selfie together um, and he told her to tag him. He then started messaging her. and asked her for her number. Um, He then attempted to make a sex date with a 17-year-old Lucy. He was 35 at the time. Ew, Um, And there are, like, so many gossipy articles about this, like Daily Mail kind of Mm. shit. Um, In one he said, I guess I'm, you know, embarrassed and I guess I'm just a model of how social media is tricky. Tricky. Mm, Interesting. He also said, in my position, not only do I have to go through the embarrassing rituals of meeting someone, but sometimes it gets published for the world. Okay, sure, I guess. What? Yeah. Because you're famous and you get a real nice paycheck comes with the territory. Um, What is going on with the incredibly loud vehicles going up and down this road tonight? I don't know. Fuck off. Okay. He also said, I was a gentleman. I said, do you have a boyfriend? And her response was, not when you're around. So that to me sounds like, okay, she's interested. Of course she's fucking interested. What a superfluous and absolutely ignorant statement. Like she's a hormonal 17-year-old girl who's being pursued by a hot, very famous actor. Yeah, who's 35 years old. Exactly. Lucy clearly says in these texts, I'm nearly 18 and that she's with her mum on holiday for an early birthday present. I mean, come on, Franco, really? Like she also says, I'll come back when I'm 18 and follows with, well, this is a story my Scottish friends will never believe and he replies, don't tell. Lucy then said, um... I want proper evidence, it's you, and I won't. Like, I won't tell. Yeah. And because she, the whole time she's dubious about this, she doesn't believe it's him, mm-hmm. really. And he said, I gave it to you. If you don't want to meet me, then tell me when you do. Bye. And she says, you sound so dodgy, though. <laughs> <laughs> and he writes, bye. And she says she'll meet him if he takes a picture um, of a piece of paper with a name written on it and his face, and he does. 
It's just fucking icky. Um, and it technically it was legal, I believe, because the age of consent in New York is 17, although there's some kind of rule about how much older the person can be, which I think actually... Um, another part of this, like, entire situation is that Lucy has been bullied for years by weak, pathetic trolls online. What? Yeah. Why do people care? I know. And she said, having my unfortunate 15 minutes of fame brought along a wave of abuse, which has been pretty consistent for the past four years. That is so bizarre. And she said, to be totally honest, it took me the longest time to realise this was not okay. I thought I absolutely deserved it. Isn't that stupid? I hope no one ever feels this way. You do not deserve for people who have never met you or even heard your voice to make you feel any less valuable. And honestly, the internet is a fucking horrible place. And some of the things that people have said to this young woman are fucking horrific. It's unbelievable. Who fucking cares? Like, I I just don't know... Why do people do that? Why, what do you think you're going to achieve from it? Why are you being so fucking cruel? Like the worst things you could say to someone. To defend someone you don't know. Just, but they weren't. I as mean, well? Like, yeah. I what mean, the fuck? Oh, it was really gross reading that shit. I didn't read much of it because I was just like, this doesn't deserve any time. No. But um, I just like, <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Back to Franco. He did these bizarre and self-indulgent interviews with himself. So in one <laughs> that was featured in 429 magazine, which describes itself as showcasing thought leaders and trendsetters in the lesbian, gay, bisexual and transgender what? community, he is gay James Franco interviewing straight James Franco. Oh, He's an excerpt. You know he came up with that. 100%. Oh, and this Okay, I don't have that much more, but, like, this bit. <laughs> okay. Gay James. Oh, sorry, straight James Franco. This is in the interview. Let's get substantial. Are you fucking gay or what? <laughs> what? Gay James. Well, I like to think that I'm gay in my art and straight in my life, although I'm also gay in my life up to the point of intercourse and then you could say I'm straight. So I guess it depends on how you define gay. Um, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> I know, I know, it's going to get worse. Um, if it means whom you have sex with, I guess I'm straight. In the 20s and 30s, they used to define homosexuality by how you acted uh, and not by whom you slept with. Sailors would fuck guys all the time, but as long as they behaved in a masculine way, they weren't considered gay. I beg your pardon. <laughs> and this play, this I know publication... The yeah, published it. Like it's, it's very offensive. I just can't. And like, ridiculous. I know. Like... Why has he been given a platform as a cis straight um, white man with infinite privilege to weirdly convey the experience of a gay man? I don't get it at all. Why don't you give that page space to, I don't know, someone who's gay? That is so ridiculous. It's, it's like, it's quite self-obsessed, but it's just like, fuck off, mate. Stop taking up space. It's so annoying. I hate him. Oh, um, James in another interview with himself 
What? In 2015, which was published in Vice, in this magnum opus, he is both his boy self and his girl self. (laughs) Sorry. Um, Why is this getting published? It's 2,870 words of wank, honestly. I mean, if he was a non-binary person, that would be a weirdly interesting way for him to explore that. I and know, like, but he's not. Who the fuck do you think you are? Also, I took the liberty of um, taking a few snaps of my facial expressions when I was reading this drivel. I'm just going to show them to you quickly. This is the first one. <laughs> I just, this is literally the way I look the whole time. Like just, maybe we can post some on our Instagram or post one of my very uncomfortable face. We will. Um, <laughs> I just want to show you how I just couldn't deal with this. Okay, so Girl James does give Boy James a bit of a serve. He's a little taster. And this is the way it's written, BJ. So it stands for Boy James. Okay. Well, I think it is at least who we are is performative and GJ, girl James. Well, of course you think that. You're a white male living in America, brought up in one of the richest cities in the country, Palo Alto. You went to high school with Steve Jobs' daughter and your journalism teacher is the mother-in-law of Sergi, co-founder of Google. Oh, women are so... PC, aren't they? They've always got to say stuff like that. What he's talking about is so bananas. And he's like, like talking about his privilege <laughs> like that is so weird. <laughs> um, BJ, yes, and your point is, Miss James, rude, GJ, that you're fucking privileged. You can view life as a performance because everything is at your disposal. The biggest thing you had to worry about in high school was how popular you were and if the girl you liked liked you back. I hate this. I'm going to give you a little bit more. Um, BJ, this is later, this is near the end, okay? Um, Well, what can I do? I am a man. How can I help other than take on women's issues, collaborate with women on my films, teach women be directed by women. And GJ says, you could cut your dick off. And <laughs> the end of this masterpiece, what? it all finishes up with, BJ, maybe there is another solution. GJ, okay, boy James, do you want to be in my girl squad? BJ, yes, I do, girl James. What does that mean, being in a girl squad? GJ, I <laughs> It means that in everything we do, we support women. We support women at all costs and women of all types, classes and races. What? The men have ruled for too long. It's time for the women to step up and the squad ensures that. Boy, James. Okay, deal. Girl power. That's how it ends. I hate that. I hate that so much. Like, I can't... (laughs) my facial expressions when I was yeah, reading it, I like they're genuine. I don't think I can even explain why I hate that because mm. I'm just, just so baffled by that. I know. And it got published. And, like, I don't even think I need to say anything. I mean, from a, I, sh- I probably should say 
that we just need to step up, you know? Like, Thank you, James Franco. You've, <laughs> you've saved the problem of, yeah. you know, inequality. We need to step up. It's like it's our fault that we go into low-paying jobs and on average in Australia there's a 14.2% gender pay gap. We need to take responsibility. Just step up. Yeah, we need to step up. And you know how on average we earn $323.30 less a week than men? I'm stepping up and I'm going to get it back. Yeah, what are you going to do? I'm going to go for Barnaby Joyce first, I think. Oh, I'm just no, gonna... no. <laughs> <laughs> um, my last thing was just saying that Seth Rogen won't do any more films with him amid all the allegations. Ooh. Eric Tedesco wrote an article about this for People magazine and in said article Seth said, what I can say is that I despise abuse and harassment and I would never cover or conceal the actions of someone doing it or knowingly put someone in a situation where they were around someone like that. So there you go, Seth has spoken. We love you, Seth, thanks. That's all I have. Well, that's plenty. Yeah, it's a lot. Fucking hell, mate. I know, it was a real minefield. There was so much to learn. Uh, Sorry, babe. I think I'm quite done with him. I just like, when I got, okay, so that was the last part of it. I kind of like tackled loose, the whole Lucy situation earlier on. But when I got to the bit where he's interviewing himself as a gay man and as a woman, I was just like, what the fuck? He's got no shame about what a pretentious asshole he is. Yeah. He's completely clueless. Does, yeah, does he? No. I, uh, st- why, do you, why are you trying to speak for other people's experiences that you haven't had? That's enough. Stop it. Yeah, you don't get to do that. No. And why are you even attempting to do that? Yeah. <laughs> it's so It's ignorant. very weird. Ugh. Okay, well... I'm going to take a break. See you soon. I'm sorry, it sucks. It sucks like. It sucks like. I'm sorry. All right, I'm going to begin. Mm-hmm. I say there's no time like the present. There isn't. But it's already gone. I just remembered the present. so close. <laughs> <laughs> Um, in Austin, Texas, in mm. November 1970, an 18-year-old called Leslie Green went into labour with her first child. Wow. 18? Ethan Green Hawk. Gorgeous. Uh, herself and her husband of one year, James Hawk, were married right out of high school um, and they were both studying at the University of Texas when the man who would become a Gen X dream boy was thrust into the world. As happens with many teen marriages, uh, the couple divorced four years later mm. and Ethan was raised by, you guessed it. His mum. His mum, yes. Yep. yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the two moved around a bit before settling in Brooklyn Heights in YC. New York? Yeah. That's so funny because I like legit, last time I went to America, went from Austin, Texas to New York. Amazing. Not necessarily. It's not that amazing. It's not really. Um, (laughs) And and when Ethan was 10, Leslie remarried a man and uh, they moved to New Jersey. Oh. 
he had always wanted to be a writer, mm-hmm. uh, but his mother enrolled him in an after-school acting program and he really liked it. I'm sorry I'm telling this like a really weird story and I will not stop doing that. I want it. I want okay. it. <laughs> I was just in a, in a mood when I did it. Um, he'd been doing school plays and then at 14 he won the role of Ben opposite our patron saint of narcotic cocktails, River Phoenix. Mm, um, and that was a rip. film. Yeah, that was a film called Explorers, mm. which I've never seen, but like apparently, either like a lot of people really love it. Okay, I couldn't even find a place to watch it. I tried, uh, and although the movie was enjoyed by critics, it didn't do well at the box office. And wee little Ethan was really upset about this. Aww. He felt like it was his fault that the film had failed. Oh, my gosh. And he kind of had a bit of trauma about it even. Like he Ooh. he had reoccurring nightmares that they had to reshoot the whole film without him. And oh, he, my gosh. He'd show up to the movie theatre and he was just like not in it. Bless him. So, yeah, he felt like it was failed. So he quit acting. Really? That's uh, that's pretty early in the game to throw in the towel. Yeah, look, that was actually a load of crap from Ethan <laughs> there because come 1989 he went for the role of Todd Anderson in Dead Poet Society. Oh, yeah. And he got that role and he smashed it. He was great. Dead Poet Society was a fucking smash hit and Ethan got mad praise for his portrayal of the agonisingly shy Todd. Mm. You know, when he stands up on the desk and, yeah. oh, Captain, my Captain. Captain, my Captain. It's, it's really good. Um, it made a ton of money too um, and it remains Ethan's most commercially successful film. Really? He got paid $30,000. Wow. And he said that he'd never met anyone who had that much money in his entire life. Oh, my gosh. He was like, I'm the richest person I've ever met. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, he had money for the very first time and you know what he did with it? What did he do? Well, he didn't move to L.A. He didn't buy a bunch of nose beers. No. He and a few of his friends, including... Steve Zahn. Oh, my God, I love Steve Zahn. Me too. Um, They bought a theatre and they started a theatre company called Malaparte. I don't know how to say it. I would have picked nose beers, I reckon. I definitely would have gone to LA and bought nose beers. 100%. Yeah. Uh, Have you seen that show with Steve Zahn, that Lotus one? Did I tell you to watch that? No, you didn't. What's it on? It's on binge. Oh shit! It's Thank H- you, Zoe. It's a HBO <laughs> show. It's fucking awesome. I've heard so much about it recently. I love how much White Lotus. That's it. Yeah, I have heard so many, so many chit chats about mm. it on all kinds of things. And so. Jennifer Coolidge is in it. Yeah, like that's what best. I've heard about the most. She's great. Anyway, um, so the theatre company they put. They put on plays, they, I don't know, they loved it. He later said that the early days of that theatre company were the most, quote, thrilling of my life. Wow. So, of course, after that he was getting great offers, you know, he's just been in 
the biggest movie for years. Absolutely. Um, and he followed up Deddy Pose with <laughs> <laughs> a, a Ted Danson movie called Dad. Uh, he was also in White Fang, which is a Disney movie, and you should listen to our Walt episode, which we did like last two weeks last, ago or yeah. something. Um, last episode. And no, that was Frank. Yeah, you're right. Old people. The episode before the last one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he also did the survival drama, much like Franco did a survival drama. Mm. Uh, his was Alive. Did you oh, ever see that? Oh, my so fucking amazing. God. Oh, my God. Can I just tell you, I watched that when I was probably like, I don't know, like 10. It came out in 1993, so. I yeah, was probably. so disturbed. Ah. I was fucked after that film. Like, I have always been so fascinated with that story. It is so fucked up. Oh, my God, it's so fucked up. And I was way too young to watch it and I just <laughs> yes. remember. I'd never been on a plane before. I was like, well, this is, the, I can't go anywhere I now. think about it all the time. That was a hectic, like, why did we choose to watch that at 10 <laughs> years old? Because it's so fucked up and fascinating. Oh, my God. Uh, look, there were other movies too, uh, but. Those are probably the fanciest ones that, okay. I, <laughs> that you would have seen up until. Gadiga? Was he in Gadiga? Wait, I'm oh, not telling oh, okay. the whole. Right, I'm sorry. up to 1994. Sorry, my, my apologies. Hold your fucking horses, Cara. <laughs> <laughs> um, 1994, the year of our Lord's favour, I believe. Um, great year for me. What? Do you think I don't know what the year of our Lord's favour is? What is that? I have no idea. I don't know what that means. But that's like a thing Christian people say. Is it? The year of our Lord or the year of our Lord's favour. Oh. I just feel like 1994 was the year of our Lord's favour. <laughs> it was a really good year. So what many good it? albums, so yeah, many right. good films. I was a wee buck. I was 15. It was fucking sick. Oh, my God. Anyway. One of those great things that happened was Reality Bites came out. Yes. Now, I was already in love with Winona Ryder. Um, she was already my number one fave. But when this movie came out, um, it also made me fall in love with Janine Garofalo and Steve Zahn. I love Steve Zahn. And Ethan Hawke. Maybe we should do a sorry it doesn't suck about Steve Zahn, but maybe it would be very interesting. I don't I mean I don't know if in real life he is a good person. That's very true. <laughs> we don't know. We have no idea. All I know is I just love him every time he's in a movie. Mm. He's so cute. He really is. But he's short. <laughs> yeah, he looks short as shit. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with being short. I'm short. Yeah. Um, People just pick me up for fun. It's really annoying. <laughs> I would never do that. No. Oh, who? Oh, so that movie was made by Ben Stiller. It was his first directing role, and A directorial debut. That's right. That's right. And I really hated hated him in that movie. Yeah. Like he was annoying, but watching it as a grown woman, <laughs> he was the far superior choice. If Wino had to like gun to the head, choose between Ethan Hawke and Ben Stiller's characters, like I haven't watched that in such a long time. You will be horrified. Yeah, I bet it is horrifying. We should watch it after this. Yeah, yeah, great. 
sorted. Uh, also, Danny DeVito was one of the producers on that. Really? Yeah, and Winona Ryder was like one of the most powerful. She probably was the most powerful actress. Absolutely. At the at that exact time, and so she basically got the whole movie cast and made. It was her star power. It was her like passion project. Yeah, right. She actually had it in her contract that Ethan plays Troy Dyer. Like without him, she's out. Really? And without her, the movie is over. It's done. I'm pretty sure she also got Janine Graflo in there as a similar contractual obligation. Mm. Yeah. What an interesting thing to include in your contract. I mean, like, I'm sure they're like... Well, she was just like, I have the power to make this movie great and I want Imagine this woman and this man. Because that's such a, so in interesting to me because you have, like, casting, yeah. you know, people. But like she was powerful enough to cast. be like, no, I choose. I love that. Me too. She was right too. It's so good. Apparently... Gwyneth Paltrow was up for the role that Janine Garofalo, which I cannot even imagine. No. Get out of here, Gwen. Anyway, uh, have I finished with my Reality Bites trivia? No, I haven't. Go on. It also has one of the best soundtracks ever. Mm. And did you know that Ethan Hawke directed the music video for Stay by my evil twin, Lisa Loeb? No. Yeah. Interesting, huh? Anyway, the movie made Ethan Hawke a superstar. He was a cool music guy. You know, he was defo, that guy who brings the acoustic guitar to the party. Oi, oi, oi. <laughs> um, and the 90s loved him. He was so cute. Mm. Uh, next was the first instalment of the Before series with yes. Julie Delpy. And oh. I love her. Oh, she's so great. All of those movies are so good. Yeah. Actually, do you know one of my favourite movies of all time is Two Days in Paris with her oh. and Jason Schwartzman. I love that fucking It's pretty film. great. She's just brilliant. She's brilliant. Yeah. I love her. Yeah. Have, have you seen all of the Before movies? I don't think I've seen the last one. It's great. Because it's like in the first one, like it starts with this couple in their like 40s or 50s arguing on the train then it pans over to these cute young people and they fall in love, blah, blah, blah. But before midnight is like them as those... Those people. Those people fighting. Yeah. And and it's really good. Uh, And all of them are excellent if you like watching two people talk nonstop for like... 90 minutes. I'm a fan of the Gilmore Girls, so <laughs> I'm like in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he was then in heaps of broody dramas like Gattaca, mm. although with sci-fi, I still deem it a broody drama. Yeah. And also where he met his future wife, Uma Thurman. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was in Great Expectations where Gwynny Paltrow plays a snobby bitch like we all know that she is. We watched that the other night. Uh, Snow Falling on Cedars based on a book that was banned in schools in the US due to sexy times. Yeah. And also the themes of racism against Japanese people after World War II, which were obviously too uncomfortable for teachers in the 90s to deal with. Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> and kidding. in 2000 he was in the broodiest drama of them all. Hamlet. Hamlet, Hamlet, Hamlet. (laughs) He played Hamlet. (laughs) You son of a bitch. 
Oh, I also forgot to mention that he wrote and published his first novel in 1996. Jeez. Um, it was Fingers called, and pies. Mm, it, <laughs> yes. He is one of those guys. Uh, it was called The Hottest State um, and it was about a romance between an actor and a singer. Oh. Um, and it wasn't a massive success. Uh, in fact, it was pretty universally deemed as incredibly pretentious. Uh, but he did make a movie about it ten years later, which he directed, and he was in. He wasn't in the starring role, mm. but he was in it. I've not seen it, but I wanna. And it has a really good sounding soundtrack when I was looking into it. Uh, his next big movie role was in Training Day, where he yes. stars as a rookie cop training opposite Denzel. Mm. Uh, everybody loved it. He was nominated for a Best Supporting Actor Academy Award. Mm. He didn't win though, did he? He lost to some old English man who I recognise from playing the dad in Bridget Jones's Diary. Oh, love him. Yeah. I just don't work without you. <laughs> but he didn't win for Bridget Jones. It was some, you know, snoozy Judy Dench drama. I love you, Was Jukes. Ethan robbed? Maybe. Ooh. That's just my opinion, of course. You don't care for the Academy. I don't care for them at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, after that, possibly because he was heartbroken at not winning the Oscar, he moved on to other projects away from acting now, I'm not sure that that was the reason. I completely made that up just now. But, hey, he's been a silky baby about that shit in the past, so maybe it is why. Ooh. He directed some films. He wrote his second novel, Ash Wednesday, which made the New York Times bestseller list. But let's face it. Mm-hmm. So did Snooky's book. <laughs> I made a joke about this recently about <laughs> St- Stacy Schroeder's book. It no, just, I had to get in the there. The bar is... It's a very low bar. <laughs> I don't think that it's... I mean, it's what sells, which mm. is sad. It's a sad state of the world. Absolutely. Uh, he was in a bunch of more movies, blah, blah, blah. Most of them aren't, like, groundbreaking, amazing. But what was cool... It was the film he made with Richard Linkletter, who he who also made those before movies. Yeah. Um, and he made quite a few films with this guy. Obviously they fucking love each other. Um, and this particular movie I'm talking about is Boyhood. Yeah. So it was shot over 12 years. Wow. Which is so cool. Yeah. And I think, like, the Linkletter guy was like, you know, it's so phony when you see movies of like coming of age stories about kids or teenagers. And just another yeah, person. they just have to put another actor in, and you know, it always looks really fake, like the parents aging. It's stupid. Um, so he wanted to do this sort of experiment, and it's a good movie. Mm. It's obviously not amazing. And it seems like a lot of work. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I would wonder if that kid, like, in the beginning was like, yeah, this is fun, and then, like, every two years it has to go and do this thing again and be like, why am I, what, I don't want to do this at all. Like, when you're a kid you change so much. Anyway. But that's like, um, oh, my God, I cannot, Emma, is her name Emma Watson? Uh, the person who plays Hermione Granger. Yeah, that's her name. But anyway, but I remember like as soon as they finished doing that series because she always had to have her hair like mm. that. She just like cut it all off because she was like, oh, get I'm rid afraid. of it. Yeah. 
must yeah. be bloody annoying. It's intense. Uh, Ethan's made so many movies. He's made like 70 movies. Really? <laughs> yeah, so obviously I'm not going to list them all, but suffice to say that he is still making a lot of movies, even now that he's older and much less handsome. Ooh. My, my opinion. He calls theatre his first love, which is probably the most annoying cliche yeah. ever. Yeah. Uh, but he really does seem to love it and he's pretty much done a play a year since 1991. Wow. Yeah. Even some years he makes like a fuck ton of movies, he still makes time to do a play. Oh, you've got to make time for plays. Uh, he has two kids with Uma Thurman, mm-hmm. uh, Maya, Maya, I don't know how Americans say Maya. Kira. Um, <laughs> and Levin. Mm. Uh, and he also has two kids with his second wife called Indiana and Clementine, which are solid celeb kids' names. No, I mean, Levin is, I don't know what that means. It no. just makes me think of Devin. Which is delicious. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Kara, my slinky little sass queen. Why do you love Ethan Hawke? Look. Do you love Ethan Hawke? I mean, <laughs> I don't know if I love Ethan Hawke. I I do like a lot of his films, but honestly, I think the reason that I like Ethan Hawke is because of the women that are connected to his work. Yeah. Now that you've said, you know, kind of like gone through his bio, I really think the reason that I do gravitate towards him is because of the projects that he does with these incredible powerhouse women. Yeah. I like that. That's I think fair. that's a big part of it. <laughs> now that I think about it, it's not about Ethan at all. Um, <laughs> uh, I think he's quite, like, mysterious in a way. Like, Yeah, he's like... Uh, a wanker bad boy. Mm. But he's like, yeah, there's, I don't know, there's something about his kind of character. It's like you want to know him better but you can't break through. <laughs> yeah, well. And, oh, hello. And also um, I think like, say for it, I was like he's amazing in Dead Popo Society. Mm. Actually, you know what, all of those boys are amazing so in that film. Like, to mm. think about how old they are and kind of like the challenging content of what that entire narrative is about. It's well, the, they play it so well. Well, he said um, in something that I read that Peter Weir was like the most amazing director and so it was his second movie. Wow, that's fucking nuts. And he had Peter Weir and Robin Williams. I mean, who, and then all Williams. these really young guys but apparently it was just like the most incredible experience and he was like I'm definitely going to be an actor now yeah so he started like at this huge crescendo but I think he after that was like all right (laughs) that was sort of special yeah yeah (laughs) we don't all get this treatment that kind of sucks a bit doesn't it the direction that they got from Robin Williams Mm. as well and just having a camaraderie with all of those young people and, yeah. and that being very much uh, like cultivated by the director like sounded pretty amazing. Yeah. Mm. I mean, yeah, I think I don't have much more to say about him. Like mm. I'm not obsessed. He's not my Bowie but um, 
I do like him and like his work, but yeah, now that you said it, I think I actually like the women more. <laughs> yeah. Well, Classic I mean, Cara. to be honest, Ethan was on my list of people that I love, and we just sort of thought this fit. And Cara was like, yeah, I like him. Sure. It works. But uh, last, I was just going to say last weekend when Amber came over and then I woke up on Sunday morning and I was like, why? I had, Like I was thinking about, I had to think about why I like this person. But then I just started thinking, well, I love him in Spider-Man and I love him <laughs> in Freaks and Geeks. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm doing James Franco. <laughs> what? <laughs> Come on, wake up. <laughs> yeah, look, I... Thought that I was really in love with Ethan Hawke. Mm-hmm. But I think he's quite gross. Oh. Like, looking. I think he looks a little like a rat. Yeah, he's got a, <laughs> he's got a rat face. He's got a rodent. Anyway, apart oh from God. having... By the way, I'm no fucking oil painting. <laughs> you are. You are. I'm a total Monet. <laughs> anyway, that is not the first bad thing about him. That's just an opinion that we have. <laughs> That's not a bad thing. He's fine. Go, rap, go on. I love love to all the rat faced people out there. We love you. We do. You're I what? also just like really love Uma Thurman. So when they were married, uh, I was like, well, he's gonna be good. She's fucking gorgeous. She's the best. Okay, my first bad thing. Go on. Is that he's a wanker. Okay. Um, Starting strong. Yeah. Boy, oh boy, does this man love to talk. Okay. Like constant dribble. I listened to several podcasts. I watched some like interviews with him on YouTube and I I do realize that in order to have a podcast or a video where you interview people that the subject needs to talk, right? Like I get that. Mm-hmm. But he just goes on and on and on. Whoa. In a, in the wankiest way. Like I even at one point was so annoyed by him that I had to like listen to another interview for, with some other actor. Yeah. And I like watched it. To drown out the Ethan drones. <laughs> well, no, no, just to see like am I just sick of listening to an interview, any interview? Mm. So then I like put on like some Jake Gyllenhaal one real quick and I watched a little bit of a Matt Damon one just to see. But yeah. He is just so much more irritating. Okay. Oh, God. I guess I've never really listened. He even shares this story um, on this very good podcast actually called Design Matters uh, about how he was up for the role of Jack in Titanic. Mm. Yeah, and at the time Claire Danes was going to play Rose, which is so weird. Yeah. Could you imagine? No. Ethan Hawke and Claire Danes in Titanic? No. So weird. Anyway, so James Cameron came to meet him uh, at his apartment or his house or whatever um, to talk about the script and get to know him because the casting directors wanted him for it. And Ethan said he just, like, couldn't stop talking. And he could see James Cameron's, like, eyes just, like, glazing Glazing. over. And he said he just couldn't stop wanking on about how the script was so amazing and how it was going to be the biggest movie of all time Mm -hmm. and how excited he was and using the word nuance a lot. Well, yeah. Um, But he just couldn't stop talking. Like, part of him was, like, going, stop. Stop it. I've definitely been there. I've been there for sure. 
But like, not with James Cameron. But <laughs> well, look, I I feel like you would be nervous and you would do that. But mm. in the interviews, he doesn't seem like he's nervous. He just loves to talk. Um, anyway, he didn't get the part, obviously. Um, and he said he knew that he didn't get it because he just bored him to death. Oh, no. <laughs> um, and he always goes on about how he loves Hemingway, which is obviously the most like masco wanker choice that yeah. you could fucking possibly make. Mm-hmm. He's also a like second cousin twice removed of Tennessee Williams. And he's like he constantly saying shit about Tennessee Williams. Uh, but Stella! <laughs> <laughs> Look, I know that being a wanker isn't like the be-all and end-all of suckage. No. Um, <laughs> so don't worry. I have some more suckness to expose. Go on. Uh, but look, in the grand scheme of things, like the men that we've looked at on this podcast in the past, Ethan Hawke is a bit bloody meh. Okay. He didn't physically hurt anyone. He's not a paedophile. Um, it doesn't seem that he's exploited anybody. A stand-up guy. No. No, he's not a stand-up guy. He's just your average, everyday jerk man. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, everybody who loves a little celeb gossip probably knows that Irma and Ethan broke up and that it was probably something to do with infidelity, okay? Oh. Do you know that? No. Oh. Well, now you do. So, Irma and Ethan met on the set of Gattaca in 1996. Gattaca. Great movie. I love it. It's yeah. so cool style-wise. Very. It's like very Frank Lloyd Wright. pleasing. But in the future. Absolutely. Love it. Um, two years later they got married and that same year Irma gave, gave birth to their daughter Maya and then four years later, their son, Levon. Everything seemed great. Two hotties in love, showing up on the red carpet. Uma, a goddess, towering over little Ethan. And he didn't even care. He didn't pull any, like, Tom, Tom Cruise. Cruise. <laughs> I'm so sure you can't wear heels bullshit. Like, she always had heels on. He was always proud, gorgeous, love it. He has crooked teeth. He'd never fixed them. Right. Even when he was a Richie. And I kind of admire that. Mm. Um, but I also feel like that's probably something only a male actor could ever get away with. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> but then, in 2004, Irma filed for divorce. Now, often when celebrities file for divorce, you can find the filing on the internet somewhere. Yep. So you know. And it's often irreconcilable. Irreconcilable differences. Yeah. But sometimes they go right out and say, like, infidelity or um, whatever the fucking other things are. But with this one, there's nothing. Probably because this happened before the internet was a gossip palace where privacy is a long-forgotten dream. Bye-bye. So we really only know, like, we only really have speculation. Mm -hmm. We have interviews with both parties Mm -hmm. and certain events following the split Mm. to solve this, one of the greatest mysteries of our time. Absolutely. Is it? No. I'm enthralled. <laughs> I was really on board then. You really made me, you got yeah. me in there. Well, look, it wasn't that interesting. Okay. So I really, I'm trying to make it interesting. <laughs> <laughs> ah. 
I'm a storyteller. Yeah. You're like Billy Joel, as my mum always describes him as a storyteller. He's a storyteller. (laughs) After a few (laughs) chardonnays. Oh, God, I can see it. Yeah, you really can. Okay. So Uma went on Oprah shortly after their divorce. Okay. And, of course, talked about the whole thing with such grace and possibly media training. Mm -hmm. Um, Even though, like, it looked like she was about to cry the whole time. She was very much, like, on the verge, but she's also an actress. Yeah. Um, She said, quote... You can move on and you can be lucky and you can seize the moment and you can take one step after another. You bear two children with somebody and that's not a small thing. And then you can hardly talk to them. Oh. Sad. It's true and it's sad. Mm. Uh, It seems that she never said anything about the marriage ending due to infidelity. Mm Mm-hmm. I can't find anything like that. Like, and I read too much of the same article over and over. Yeah. <laughs> um, she even said that the media coverage of it, quote, if I see one more headline about it, I'll gag. I'm just another American woman who was in an unfulfilled marriage that fell apart. So here she's sort of defo saying, nah, he didn't cheat, we just broke up because it was a shitty marriage. Yeah. Um, but in a later interview she said, quote, You need to want to be forgiving. The problem is that if you want to, you'll forgive the unforgivable. I am very perceptive about people, but then if I'm attracted to them, I'm not always looking clearly. I mean. So that sounds like there's something. It does. It definitely does. And also who among us, may I say? Oh, we're all guilty as charged. (laughs) Uh, towards the end of their marriage, Ethan was filming something, can't remember what, uh, in Montreal and heaps of media outlets suggested that the cheating that they were spouting that happened um, had happened when he was there. Okay. So just before they broke up, he was in Montreal. It must have been that. Okay. Um, but when directly asked about this, he said, quote, Uma and I did not split up over anybody's infidelity. We had a lot of problems before I ever went to Montreal. Mm. Interesting use of language there. Mm. Uh, And as mentioned before, uh, the guy loves to talk. So I have some more quotes from Ethan enlightening us to his inner world. Maybe it's too many quotes, but this is basically where the rest of the podcast is going to be because that's all we got here. We don't have facts. We don't have, we don't have judge facts. and jewelry. Jewelry. Kaching. Okay, he said, "Success when you're young is really overwhelming. The world felt out of control, and I just wanted to stop it from spinning so fast." I thought marriage would decrease my variables or something. I was absolutely wrong. There was this discovery that the male brain isn't done until 28. I definitely think my frontal lobe was not finished. I had no business taking vows that would last more than two weeks. Oh, my God. 
Now, look, I feel like, although annoying, that is a fair explanation. And in some ways, he's like taking some responsibility, even though he's like saying, it's science, man. (laughs) (laughs) I just like can't help be a dickhead when I'm young. But but he is saying, my fault. Mm. Not what the fault is, but anyway. Okay, but then the following year he said, quote. Love this. It's unfair when one person's career is taking off and the other's is really suffering. Is it? Yeah. Uh, What happens? It's not that they're jealous of each other. (coughs) It is bullshit. Uh, It's that the person you share your life with isn't in the mood to support. What? You want to have a pity party for yourself, but they're off to the Golden Globes and you don't want to go because everyone's going to think you're jealous. Joanne Woodward put her career on the back burner for that marriage to Paul Newman. So it would last. And Ew. Some, yeah, and something's got to give. Wow. What a twat. Sorry, but Uma is better and more interesting than you and her career is better and what? more interesting than yours. Oh, and my God. It's not because you're missing out that she's doing better. Like... That is so pathetic. It is horrible, huh? It's absolutely ridiculous. So no wonder they broke up if that's the way he was behaving. And he's admitting this in an interview. I know. Like that's the reason we broke up. And he's totally fine to share that. I would be Uh ashamed if Uh I was like that. I mean, like think about the entirety of history all of the women who have put their lives, their careers, their talent in – a fucking cupboard so that the men in their lives can feel like big boys. Yes, yeah, so he's like, basically saying off. she shouldn't have done that. Well, Paul please. Newman's wife did it. Why aren't you doing oh it? Oh, my God. But well, Paul, maybe she, Paul Newman's wife jumped off a bridge. Are you going to do this? No, but, like, <laughs> it's just so absurd. Also, like, I mean, I'm sure they're not short of money or whatever, but, I mean, like, if you in that kind of business, if you get an opportunity, especially as a woman, because your time is short because we live in a fucked world, so you need to take advantage of those opportunities when you... Well, I mean, like, obviously... Well, you're going to be in Kill Bill. But I'm speaking out of turn here. I don't understand it. I'm not in that industry. But it's like if I was a woman in that fickle, fickle industry and I was given an opportunity, I would grab it by the fucking balls because God knows when the next one's going to come around and fuck knows what's going to happen after I'm 40. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Ew. Douche. Uh, He said more on this in other interviews. I'm just going to give you one more of these particular quotes. He said... One person works, the other person doesn't. Well, then someone's always out of town. I'm living in a hotel room taking care of the kids while you're off on a film set six hours a day doing what you love. Do that for nine months and see what a good mood you're in. Um, <laughs> she had those babies sharing her body for nine months? Also, she... So maybe try that, Ethan. She, she said she didn't work really at all between having... Her kids. What a fucking brat. (sighs) What a fucking giant baby. So apart from being a baby, 
The Ew. reason they broke up, apparently, according to him, is because of work shit. Okay. But then, Ethan, how do you explain that in 2008 you married the woman who was your children's nanny oh. when you were married to Omar? Really? Yes, that's okay. right. Ethan married uh, a woman named Ryan Shaw, who's in 2008. They'd been together right. for a while. In fact, I'm pretty sure she had a baby right after they got married. Mm. Shotgun wedding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. I don't give a shit. No, absolutely um, not. They, Do whatever you want. Yeah, they have two daughters. Don't get married. Just have the baby. Sorry. And <laughs> uh, in, in a more recent interview, he said, quote, I know people imagine some kind of sound of music type love affair, but the what? truth is by the time Ryan and I were falling in love, it had been a long time since I had employed her. Gag. Bullshit. That's just bullshit. Just like the language, though, employed her. Also, no one's thinking it's a sound of music type love affair. People are just thinking it's gross and you're taking advantage of someone who works for you. Anyway, uh, no media release accompanied their getting hitched, no interviews about it, no pictures. Um, he still no de- pictures. He still <laughs> decide, uh, denies that he was unfaithful to Uma. But I did find a few articles where he talks about his view on fidelity and get a load of this quote. Martin Luther King suffered from infidelity. So did John F. Kennedy. You're what are we saying, suffered? Wait. You're more likely to find great leadership coming from a man who likes to have sex with a lot of women than one who's monogamous. <laughs> what? <laughs> Has he lost his marbles? Yes. What a weird thing to say. <laughs> it is so weird. It's so weird. Uh, he also had this advice for men. I'm... I'm my... F- the guys who get the most play with women are the ones who are the most cavalier with them. That's always been my experience. You don't have to be good looking to get a lot of ass. Ooh. History has taught us that. Oh, my gosh. In another interview, he brought up Fidelity again, saying, quote, People have such a childish view of monogamy and fidelity. He's cheated, he's bad, she's cheated, she's bad, as opposed to a recognition that our species is not monogamous. To act all indignant that your world has been rocked because your lover wasn't faithful to you is a little bit like acting rocked that your hair went grey. <laughs> okay, can, can I, okay. That is such a bizarre thing, like... Because it's not necessarily about the monogamy. Because if you have an agreement with someone and that is the understanding between two people, mm. then you are betraying that person by being... Yes, the hair on your head is not betraying you. I mean, and the other thing <laughs> is like if you want to have a relationship which is open and have many people in your lives in a sexual way, you can do that but both people just need to agree to the yeah. terms of that and that's yes. totally fine. Mm-hmm. And it works for a lot of people but both people need to be aware of it. But going back to Mr Hawk, does that mean that 
you're currently non-monogamous with Ryan. Mm. Like he's he, yeah. at Bud, he said, and he said about her in an interview, quote, my relationship with my present wife, weird. which is a weird thing to say. It's like my dad always introduces my mum as his first wife. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. It's hilarious. Good one, Ricky Ricardo. Um, my relationship with my present wife is thrilling to me and I'm committed to it, but neither she nor I know what shape the future will come in. Sexual fidelity can't be the whole thing you hang your relationship on. If you do really love someone, you want them to grow, but you don't get to define how that happens. They do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is the end of this sorry tale. Uh, good luck to you, Ryan and Ethan. God bless you. Go, Long may God you God bless live. you. Woof. <laughs> <laughs> He just sounds like a dick. What a dickhead. I think that's it. Like, he's just a dickhead. Yeah. He's just your average dickhead. And I just honestly, like, don't think he's attractive anymore. No. Like, and I feel quite bad about that because, you know, as I've said a thousand times going back to our first episode, I was pretty reluctant to let go of Fessy. Fessy. After he did some really actually fucking horrific shit. But I wasn't, look, I wasn't, also it was alleged, but I wasn't ready. I wasn't used to just knowing these things. (laughs) We're season pros now, season four. You're a dickhead? No, suddenly your rat face will not come to my dreams anymore. (laughs) Ta-ta. Ta-ta. Um... So I just want to say thanks again for listening to our silly podcast and please follow us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or... Like us, review us, subscribe. There's no subscribe anymore. On Even on Apple? Yes, yeah, just follow. Oh, that's okay. Well, follow us, I guess. <laughs> um, uh, we have a Patreon. We do. Uh, we're not going to force you to do shit, but... Still got stacks of books here, guys. Feel like it if you have a story about a celebrity that you've met. Yes. Be it good, be it bad. You can email our marketing assistant, Brandy. Brandy is going to take care of Just everything. email Brandy. Um, <laughs> She's a bit of a loose cannon, but she, she will reply. Loose. She will. Um, so we want to hear about any stories that you have, any yeah. interactions with any celebrities, Tell us send good them. or bad. Uh, send them to brandy at sorry he sucks pod at gmail.com. Do we have that email? <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, also, guys, we've got a Twitter and a TikTok. There's mm. not a lot of movement there right now, but um, if anyone can our teach real me marketing how to use people it, yeah. have told us to get that. Um, <laughs> so. Brandy was like, bitches, you need a Twitter. Yeah. Shout out Naomi. Shout out Meg. <laughs> And Brandy. And, of course. Who does all the work. Brandy will be really pissed if I don't (laughs) shut her out. Um, I think that's all we've got because I have a delicious meal for us in the oven. It's very late. Great. We've got broccoli. We've got chicken. Let's get things done. I'm excited. Um, Have a great week. Have a great week. Next week is going to be rad. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Directors. It's going to be juicy, juicy, juicy. juicy. Can't wait. Bye. See you.
We have used multiple sources in the research for this podcast. All of these can be found in the show notes. This podcast was written by Kara Nissen and Amber Jones with music and engineering by Morgan Jones. DJ Morgs! <laughs> Sorry, I should have laughed. I like it.